Hello and welcome, everybody, to Crutchfield the Podcast. This is a pretty special episode. Something a little different. We uh, we've got I've actually got two people here in my office slash podcast studio today. One of them, you know and love. He's been on uh, many of the show. He's he's basically the the podcast co-host. It's Eric. Welcome, yeah. Eric. Thank you, thank you. I'm almost a fixture. I'm like a movable fixture. Yep. Yeah, I did an episode without you a few times ago. Uh, I had a different Eric, but uh, and I tried to do this one with just our guest and me. But you sort of—I'm still going forced... through counseling for that. So thank you for bringing yeah. that up again. I had to order another microphone so that we could do this. I, I see that. <laughs> yes, yeah. got a cables run everywhere. But all of that is so that we could bring in our special guest, Jeff Miller. Welcome, Jeff, to the podcast. Hello, honored to be here with both of you guys. Oh yeah. So Jeff is here because uh, Jeff has had. Uh, man, he's had a string of uh, really uh, home run interviews yeah. here in the last year or so. He didn't get the memo. We're <laughs> supposed to do the interviews. I thought. Well, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're, you're doing. You're doing well. So uh, last season, uh, Jeff interviewed Dan Gager from Bose, uh, the guy who helped create noise canceling headphones, and we totally stole his interview and repurposed it for our podcast. I learned a lot from that one. That was um, really cool. With Jeff's blessing. And uh, and then Jeff got to uh, what was it at? Were you at Axpona? Is that where you got to interview Chris? Uh, is it Chris? Andrew Jones? I actually, ran into him. Andrew Jones. The moment they announced that he had joined MoFi, that's it. We were there. Mm-hmm. Andrew Jones, which shoes, you know, speaker designer extraordinaire, celebrity guy uh, now with MoFi, and Jeff got the scoop in person. So uh, yeah, we um, Jeff is really doing a nice job of uh, getting some big role, big names. I don't know. If, I don't know if we should be promoting that he's doing such a good job. But well, okay, same team. Been, well, yeah, he's now part so of our. Lucky po- enough okay. to be in the right place at the right, right time. He's, he, we're gonna we're gonna uh, you know bring his success into the fold of the podcast. Okay, so that it shines. So his success his is light our success. shines on all of us. Yes. Uh, but Jeff, I think this is probably the coolest interview you've done. Uh, you scored, is it Manny Marquin? Is that right? Yeah. Ma- um, Mariquin, if you're American. Yeah, exactly. He said, if you can roll the R's, then the way you said it. I yeah. can't quite roll my, I can, I can do like the one, Mariquin. Right. Uh, so uh, Manny, uh, if you don't, if you know who he is, you might be excited right now that we have gotten a chance to talk to him. Jeff did. Uh, if you don't know who he is, let's start there. For the listening folks at home, who is Manny Mariquin? Well, uh, if you don't know him, you certainly know his work. He's a legendary mixing engineer who's worked on some of the biggest hits of the last thirty years. The certainly the biggest artist. If I listed the names, I would leave off like you know, a roster full of Hall of Famers and superstars. And that's what um, we're going to do for the rest of the podcast, yeah. <laughs> is list all of the names of all of the artists and each song that he has worked on. Um, yeah, you know, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Elton John, Bruno Mars, Carlos Santana. You heard of these people, Carlos Santana? That brings a bell. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so uh, over, the, over this career, he's won, won 11 Grammys. He's been nominated for, you know, multiple Grammys. Um, but uh, just a, a a variety of names. Just this year, he's mixed albums from Lizzo, Post Malone, Pusha T, um, and then the big one is uh, the Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale, and the Big Steppers album um, that came out earlier in the, in the summer. I found out recently I'm a Kendrick Lamar fan. Uh, he was the musical guest on the uh, opening episode of Saturday Night Live this yeah. season, 
And uh, I usually watch a few seconds of most of the musical guests and find out that this really isn't my cup of tea, and I fast-forward to Weekend Update. I watched every second of Kendrick Lamar, not thinking that I was going to want to. I mean, I was just blown away by the visuals, a simplicity, sort of a, a simplistic sort of set, and uh, just his ability to, gosh, he said a lot of words in a short amount of time, uh, and it was it was really impressive, and I was moved by it, like I really was. So uh, I, I went to Spotify and looked up a uh, a playlist called Mixed by Manny Mariquin. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess how many songs are on this playlist? Oh my goodness, I don't even know. Can, can I guess? Yes, guess. Uh, 2,152. Oh, you're so close. <laughs> Gosh, what, great guess. It's, if only you had Spotify in if front you, of you. You could guess the number of candy corn. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, there was a banner in the way. It didn't let me go down far enough. Uh, 2,198. There you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Nicely done. If you were to play this pod, uh, this pl- this playlist from start to finish, it would take almost 129 hours. That's how many songs. That's how long it would take to listen to every song mixed by Manny Mariquin. Yeah, and if you go to his like discography, discography there's like so many more that are uncredited or credited under different names or he did he did different work early on in his career i mean after um sort of the early 90s it was all mixing but before that you know he he's just been around forever and he's kind of the go-to guy for for yeah pop I, music. I would imagine anybody he wants to work with is probably on a list somewhere of people waiting to work with him yes uh and what i found as i was uh and i think eric you can speak to this as well uh once once I found this playlist this morning in preparation for talking to you about this, Jeff, I just sort of went through and just, uh, you know, shuffled through, played song after song by artists I'd never heard of, some bigger names I have heard of. There isn't a bad song in the bunch. That entire playlist, you can just hit shuffle and let it go for several days and be very happy listening to music. Eric, what'd you find? Yeah, so confession time. Um, I don't make time to listen to new music very often. I kind of feel like my music cup is kind of full at this point in my life. Kind of turned into an old guy. (laughs) Um, And uh, it was exciting for me to have a reason to go and uh, listen to some new music and find that, you know what? My cup isn't full. Maybe, Maybe I have a little bit more room in there after all. And it was really exciting. Some of the songs I'd already heard, actually my kids were big fans of, uh, which definitely makes me feel old. Um, you know, my wife is a fan of some of the music that, uh, you know, he gets credit for. And, uh, oh my goodness, it, the list was, it was really interesting. Just going through and playing next random song, throwing it on shuffle, and out of that over 2,000 songs, uh, never finding a dud in there, always finding something that gripped me. It was really, really good. And crosses, like, all the genres. I mean, everything from Broadway show tunes to hardcore hip-hop to uh, acoustic country Americana stuff to hard rock and everything else in between. It's not just pop stuff you've heard in Top 40. It's a, just a ton of stuff. Music soundtracks, actual Broadway songs. He did. He mixed uh, Bad Cinderella, which is a, the title song from the newest Andrew Lloyd Webber Broadway musical. Wow. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's what can't this guy do? Uh, so, Jeff, next time you get an opportunity like this, you do need to loop us in so yeah. that we can actually be involved. Because what we're going to hear in a few minutes is Jeff talking to Manny. Now, where was he when you were recording? Well, uh, it's funny. And just take taking a step back, he, w- he was in his home in, Cal- in, in Los Angeles, okay. um, 
which is near his his home base. His studios have been La- uh, Larrabee Studios in North Hollywood, kind of a legendary, st- not kind of, it is a legendary yeah. studio um, where Fleetwood Mac, um, Steely Dan, you know, ridiculous amount of acts recorded back in the day. And then for the last 15 years, he's been there with his own room uh, mixing. Um, but I caught him up. I caught him by Zoom at his at his house. So I said I was right place, right time. But a lot of that is because um, at Crutchfield, you know, we are we have buyers and and people who are really sharp at, at, at what they do. And one of the companies we bought in pretty early on was Odyssey, a headphone high end headphone company who worked on um, audiophile headphones, and they use this very special type of driver technology that's a little bit different than the normal dynamic driver. It's called planar magnetic headphones. Um, and we've been with them for over a decade um, and have a very good relationship with them. Well, they just started their first, well, I don't know, <laughs> backing up a little bit. They, again, uh, they have a, a certain headphone model called the LCDX. They have a very spacious sound, um, precise impulse control, all the things that studio people love. Uh, so even though they were designed for audiophile l- listening, a um, lot of lot of mixing, a lot of studio pros use them for the mixing and ma- mastering process. And Manny talks about he was one of them. The sounds just sort of gripped him so much that he decided he wanted to help them design their own uh, a, a headphone design specifically for um, pro audio use for using in the studio for for mixing. Five years later. The Odyssey MM500 appears. I have to write about it, and I learn about Manny American, and I, or I, I see the name Manny American. I look him up, and he's worked on some of those seminal records of my childhood, youth, adulthood, everything else. Yeah. And I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could talk to this guy? So I reach out to our friends at Odyssey, and they're like, well, we happen to have his email address would you like, <laughs> would you like that and yeah. i'm like sure and, or, and they make the sort of handshake with uh, him and his um pr people and uh they give me an hour um so i dive in and um i was a big fan of that kendrick lamar album that that came out like the hugest fans his first album in five years and probably his most personal and kind of a unique sound his voice is front and center but uh and there's all this interesting stuff happening around him but instead of this um over you know i called it instead of like his painting a landscape it's more of a personal portrait um it's very intimate yeah very intimate Mm -hmm. and uh come to find out maybe appropriately he used those mm5 manny american used those mm500 headphones to mix um many of the tracks on that album so he kind of maybe he maybe it was just timing again you know that he that's what he had he wanted to try him out maybe it was hey this is a really intimate album i need to use these headphones to mix it but um but had an hour um and decided you know kind of let's focus in on that album which he had just uh which had just been released and also uh you know some of the headphone stuff and some of the other recent projects he's been in um well, I've now listened to your interview with Manny. I can tell you, you made good use of that hour. Uh, Eric, one big takeaway from the interview we are about to hear, without giving mm-hmm. away too much, but what are you looking forward to people hearing from this interview? Just learning about him, really. I mean, we're here to talk about the headphones. You know, the headphones are a tool that he's going to use, and he helped to develop um, as an artist. It's almost like someone trying to, you know, that that's an artist developing a paintbrush just for them and they're a painter and these are a tool for him 
and uh, he gets to share them with everybody that wants a pair. So, um, but getting to know him is what was the coolest part to me. So I'm excited for our listeners to be able to to do that. Me too. Uh, and I think we're going to probably uh, interject a few times throughout this interview uh, to add a little bit of spice and flavor to uh, to the interview, just to add some more context, to provide some helpful information. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get right into Jeff's interview with Manny American. We'll be back in a few minutes. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Um, good, good. I know you, so you have your own studio and forgive me. A lot of this is like, uh, you know, ignorance of the whole process, and I, <laughs> but, um, I, I was thinking about you cause today post Malone was on Howard Stern and he was talking about like, he was at the studio until, I mean, they were at the studio until it was time to do the interview. So they were still there with all those guys. And I was like, do is that a life you had to live at some point or still have to live or, <laughs> You know, it's, 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 it's funny because I don't have to live that anymore because I, uh, you know, when you record, when you're with the artist that, you know, you're, you're there till, you know, they want to go home and if that's three or five in the morning, (laughs) that's, that's them. But since I'm mixing the records, I have the luxury of me getting the files and not having to worry about them coming in or you know like yeah. post he lives in a different state so <clears throat> i just send him all the files i never have to uh stay up all night with him and stuff so you got enough going on with the restaurant and everything right oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> I, got, I feel like i have three different careers you know like full careers yeah I, was, I know we are here to talk about the headphones but the restaurant in particular um you're i heard what you describing the like noise cancellation set up on the um, on the tables themselves so that you can't hear the glasses clinking and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know um, it's a Meyer um, constellation system and it's really amazing what they've done. Uh, I wish I had the patent on that because I'd probably <laughs> try to sell it to every restaurant in the, in the world. Yeah. Uh, I have a, man, it's so crazy how, we, uh, you know, I had this sort of like almost dream, like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we have this, if I built a studio and, and it's big enough to put a restaurant in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then wouldn't it be cool that people kind of come in, eat, drink, and there's someone playing and, and we're actually capturing their performance at a, at a really high level. What would that take? Well, it would take insulating the room, uh, you know, controlling every sort of sound in there. Um, and that, and I told uh, Helen over at uh, Meyer Sound, Meyer, Meyer Labs, and they were like, oh, you know what? I think we have three different technologies that may actually, we may be able to achieve that. Wow. And when she said that, I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> so check this out. I thought it would be 20% of what it is. So to say that it exceeded my expectations would be an understatement, you know? I actually t- spoke to one of the original engineers who worked on Bose noise cancellation. He's still there. Um, so he's uh-huh. told all the wild stories at that time. But I know, he told me that, I guess, and I kind of knew this, but they have to make a noise as loud. At least that's, a, you know, it's the out of phase um, to 
cancel out the noise that's that's is that sort of how it works just like speakers all around the table or there's yeah 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 so there's 60 i believe 64 speakers around the restaurant and they're all hidden beams and they're on the laterals uh there's 16 microphones that are picking up energy so Mm -hmm. the table next to you basically we're hearing the whole restaurant coming out of the speakers that are aimed towards that table or that area yeah we're hearing them as much as we're hearing the person next to us and that's why it's uh that's why it becomes muffled you can't hear the the, uh the table next to you because they're being face canceled but yet we're hearing the natural sound of the whole room and not just them uh which is crazy. You have to, you have to experience it. Cause when you, when you yeah. talk about it, I, I've, I've said this many, many times and I still hard to describe it, but as soon as you hear it, you're like, Oh wow, this is so weird, but yet amazing. You know? So you still have sort of, when you're like doing like recording the, the musicians, you still get some of that ambiance, but you don't get the actual like, Oh my gosh. It's the cleanest recordings that I've, you know, we, I mean, we'll have 130 people and they're like yeah. as clean as anything. Like it's, it just blows my mind. Yeah. And to be able to, to be able to do that, it's like, it's just a dream come true because now, now we have clean recordings, you know, we're recording a, a jazz album there in I believe two weeks and it's going to be one of the best jazz albums <laughs> recorded in a, in a, in a venue. I mean, I don't, and we, you know, we're so young. We're like, we're only 11 months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 11 months. Although we opened pre-COVID, but that was really didn't, that didn't count. It was like three months and then we got shut down. And then we went through 16 months of uncertainty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. It was weird. And now that we reopened 11 months ago, it's finally clicking and people are connecting with it. And uh, so, so again, we're so, so, so new, so young and, uh, we don't do any like professional PR, like a big firm. So it's mm-hmm. all word of mouth. So people are discovering it on their own, which is great because, you know, we don't have to, uh, you know, it's all word of mouth and it's more, you know, if you can do that is more effective than, than hiring the big firms, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, I look, I, I was looking at the Instagram and I mean, just like the, it doesn't seem like the, coolest place on the planet like the place you want yeah. to be and i guess that's where you want to be with a restaurant right <laughs> yeah, and you know it's 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 actually i mean it's a cool spot it's uh it just feels sexy it sounds good even if we have background music which i do all the playlists uh that we oh, cool. you know every playlist I, I i create uh and it just feels i mean there's got this emotional connection with the physical space which it's so hard to do when you walk into, and you know, it, and, and the psychology of restaurants, you know, when you go eat somewhere, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, when we go out, it's like we want our space. So uh, yeah. a lot of restaurants are designed to be almost like closed off in sections, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's a big room, you have partitions or plants or stuff that psychologically makes you think that you're in your own space. Well, we have none of that. It's a big open room. So, yeah. so for a restaurant, that's really interesting. The psychology of you going into this big place and like, oh, we're like right in the middle of the room. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And to be quite honest with you, I didn't know how that was going to fly. I, I right. don't know if people are going to like it or feel like they're just not. 
And it's been the best thing that we did. I remember one, a restaurant friend, a restaurant tour friend of mine came in on a soft opening the very first time we opened. And he was the first thing he's like, man, look, the food you're going to get. Don't worry about that. That's going to come with time. But man, you need some, um, you know, I can see the person in the corner table from where I'm sitting and it's all the way to the other side. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the point, you know? He's like, no, no, it feels weird. And he even was like, really thrown off by it and i was like man he might have a point but this is like you know this the, my gut was just like go with the open floor plan so that you feel like you're in a living room a big yeah. living and not so much you know because there's a lot of restaurants that will give you that feeling of being you're the only person in the in the restaurant right right or not the only but not 135 people mm-hmm. so it's a so it's an interesting uh concept of of like trying things that you may think will not work and just being maybe dumb enough to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, in some ways, I guess, because we all did go out to eat for, um, you know, two years, <laughs> a year and a half. Um, so that's kind of the fun of it all. I know you, your time is, uh, precious. Um, and I want, so I did want to talk about the, the, uh, the Odyssey headphones. And I was just um, really the mixing process in general is just um, fascinating to me. It's sort of, I don't, and I don't want to like, you know, expose the alchemy of it all, but I just was curious where headphones are in the mix versus monitors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so I always think that um, always have thought of headphones as a, a, a a tool, an essential tool in the studio. Uh, Obviously, when you're recording, so that's the obvious one. But in, in mixing, you know, when we when you're when you have speakers in front of you, uh, it's really hard to tell like the width, right? And and sometimes it's really hard to hear some of the delay trails that you worked on, or the reverbs and the connection between when the the negative space of a song that pretty much a lot of songs have. Uh, it's hard to hear. On, on, on main monitors, right? Yeah. So I feel like you go into the studios and you see like some people have three, four, five different sets of monitors, right? And it's the same concept of like, okay, I use my big monitors to make sure my bass is like really tight and punchy and it hits you. Uh, I have these NS10s to work on mids. I have uh, the Neumanns to work on hi-fi, you know, what people listen to or how people listen to. Right. I have the little KRKs because that's kind of like the mimics the laptop speakers. And, and I did it. And, you know, you have yeah. all these different references, right? Yeah. I mean, how do most people listen to music nowadays? Headphones. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> so like the obvious, like, duh. Like, so, so it's not to replace anything in your room, but it's just to add to the arsenal and you got to have those headphones that sound good, that are true to what your intentions are. Very different from say the Sony headphones back in the day where every studio had them. This is more of a a tool. This is like when you feel insecure about, oh man, let me see what the width, because I do play with width a lot as an emotional tool, a tool to grab emotion. Uh, in a song. So I need to see what my width, my depth and all that stuff. And it's much easier, a million times easier 
to just put on the headphones and work on it and stuff like that. Now, now imagine having a headphone where I can actually EQ 808s and kicks and snares and all that. I thought I would never be able to do that. I mean, there's no other headphone that I can think. I mean, obviously there is, but I don't know any other headphone that I can be confident and be creative with it. You know, if you think about it, headphones have always been, it's a, it's a post-creative tool, right? Yeah. Um, um, you know, you, the, the album is out and you, this is what you used to hopefully um, enjoy the, the final product. We haven't really talked about how it's a, cre- a creative reference as well. And I feel like confident that this, you know, first of all, Odyssey makes great products. Yeah. Uh, I mean, great products. Well, since it's how I- you're talking about <laughs> and the width and everything that, I mean, you don't get better than Odyssey for that. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> the first time I heard him was maybe five years ago. Um, Mark Cohen came in and uh, I think it was the LCDXs. I heard him and I was working on actually Imagine Dragons at the time. And it was a, their second album. Um, and I remember it was like one, the first or second song on the album. And I remember just being so blown away that I just kind of kept them, you know, he left the, you know, he left them there. And I just stayed on them because I was so yeah. blown away. And I just, next thing you know, I would mix the whole song on headphones. I'm like, what the hell? I would have never <laughs> done that. Yeah. You know? It's like the first headphone that I felt comfortable, like confident. Confidence is a, it's a big word in our industry because you can hear a confident mixer a mile away and vice mm-hmm. versa, right? So it gave me a lot of confidence to EQ, be free, be like, not be constrained, you know? Right. Restricted. Uh, so I feel like at that point, I called them the next day. I'm like, man, this is honestly the best headphone that I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> so listen, if you ever wanted to, because at the time it was an audiophile uh, headphone. Yeah. And I told him, I go, look, if you ever, ever wanted to do something for creators, I want to help. I really would love to, because I need, you know, because the, there's a few things I would change. Mm-hmm. But if you ever wanted to do that, he's like, oh, you got to meet the owner, CEO. I think he would love to hear that. And, and we we did we met and and then it took years for them to I got to give them credit because to give someone as crazy as me like you know <laughs> an, opportunity, an opportunity to like mess with their babies and they were so open minded to it they're like yeah let's you know look that's it's not you know create in, in, entering the the pro market for headphones is not necessarily uh, an enticing thing for a company right right. Uh, Margins may not be there. Return and it's not a mass, not a mass market for you know. So commerce wise, it's not the best business move. But they believed in it. They believed in me, and they're like, you know what, let's do it. And you know, we worked on the design. The design was probably one of the most important things for me because uh, the LCDXs and especially the fives. I mean, those are like, man, those are amazing. But they're big. They're heavy. They're yeah. speakers. Head. they're not necessarily sexy you know like i wouldn't have them on with an artist in front of me they're just not sexy <laughs> they're, they're for, you know what the lcd fives is like if you want to have a, a single mold whatever whatever it is and you yeah, put them on you just dark side of the moon right that's like yeah. an experience that's yeah, an yeah. Experience. i mean everybody should do that by the way. <laughs> and uh but you know it's not you know it's not sexy it's not it's not a sexy headphone for me at least so 
We worked on the design, worked on making it a lot lighter. Yeah. For me, having a reference, imagine having speakers that you can travel with, you can put in your bag. I mean, who wouldn't want that? If I had a bag big enough to put my NS10s with my amp and <laughs> stuff, I'd be like, I'd have a studio on wheels, a legit studio. Uh, so I always wanted that, you know, the ability to have an extra set of speakers because that, that's what they are. Right. Now you can travel with them. Um, and now, now I can pretty much work from wherever because I got my laptop and my amazing set of speakers. And, you know, and it gives me, again, going back to, gives me confidence to really make choices based on something I really, really know. So Manny got his hands on the Odyssey LCD-X, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Jeff. Uh, and these are audiophile headphones, which means they're they're big, they're heavy, right? They're not made for when you go working out or running or anything like that. They are made for when you're going to sit and listen to music, right? And he loved them. He loved the sound of them. He said several times they weren't quite sexy enough. And so he's that's what he did, right, for those five years working with Odyssey to come uh, to, a, uh, to a headphone that actually sounds just as good but sort of meets the requirements of a studio mixing engineer like Manny American. So uh, so that's the process there. But on the way, he described those LCD-X headphones as the type of headphones you might wear if you were sitting down having a single malt listening to Dark Side of the Moon. And I thought, Eric, you might have something to say about that. Is it, it seems like he's talking to you. <laughs> oh, because of the single malt part, I'm assuming. Yes, Did because you... of your, I've seen the bar you have at your house. I figured maybe you might have some single malt in there. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, any of which I probably would miss say now. Thanks for putting me on the spot there. Like Glenfiddich, or you know, I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, I always say Glen Morangy, but I think it's Morangy. I don't know. But yes, all the Glens. Um, yeah, single malt. Mm. That's a good pairing Yummy. with Odyssey LCDX. And some Pink Floyd. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's where I'd be. Nice. So, I, I mean, I uh, I haven't had the single malt side of things, but I've definitely had the experience that. of sitting and listening to Dark Side of the Moon on a big set of headphones. Right. And that can be a magical experience all by itself. Add some alcohol to that, and maybe it's even better. <laughs> can be a nice pairing for sure. But I think what we're talking about is getting intimate with your music and doing that the way you like, which for some people might be with a single malt. There you go. And so, Jeff, LCD-X <laughs> headphones, we've had those for a while now. Yes. Uh, what do you think of those in general? Like, how, how do you like those headphones? Um, I mean, those are – I mean, there's a reason why so many pros love them. They just – they uh, have that – uh, again, very linear tuni tuning. It's um, just everything sort of sounds right. Uh, there's an incredible sense of space because they're so large, but also just because of the planar, the nature of the planar magnetic head uh, drivers. Um, you get this really, really wide <laughs> sense of space. Um, I'm holding my hands way out, <laughs> uh, yeah. and and, uh, and then um, then just like pinpoint imaging, so very precise details. You can pick out where uh left and right where things are coming from so um so you know that's that's uh that's sort of the lcdx in a nutshell that's odyssey headphones in a nutshell and kind of the reverse of that i don't know if this is the time or place to get into this but he you know he uses the mm500s as a tool for creating music i use them for sort of that dark side of the moon enjoying music and found them to be you know 
because they're so comfortable, because they're lighter than most Odyssey, most of the older Odyssey headphones, and because they have that, um, you know, very detailed, very wide soundstage and, and just in, incredible sense of space, um, I found them to be just as enjoyable for listening music as they are for, I imagine, for, for making music. <laughs> yeah, and they're an open back style headphone, yes. right? Yeah. So these are the types of headphones where if you're wearing them and you've got the volume cranked, others around you might be able to oh, yeah. very clearly hear what you're listening <laughs> to. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, they're not going to hear them so loud that they can't do whatever they want to do. What you get out of it as the listener uh, is that big. It's like you're listening to a set of humongous floor-standing speakers aimed right at your head, right? And you, Except it's just sitting there, right, literally on your head. So, <laughs> uh, so to streamline those a little bit, to make them a little lighter, a little bit more comfortable, we're going to hear now Manny talk about the MM500s, which is kind of his version of the LCD Xs, uh, refined and made sexier. For me, when we were done, done with the, with, with the head songs, I was in the Bahamas for, uh, at a wedding and I was working on a song with Nipsey Hussle and DJ Khaled. <clears throat> and, you know, I had the greatest view. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I was in my hotel room and Khaled is like, oh, we got to turn this in today. We got to <laughs> like did a bunch of stuff that, you know, and I remember finishing it on the headphones in my hotel room. Uh, and then when I got back home, I listened to it I'm in my room and it sounds exactly what i would wow. what, what i would have done to it and i'm like i call shankar shankar and i was like man it's done did you go Imagine. directly from the he the headphones yeah. directly into your computer not no like yeah. oh wow no amp no amp nothing nope directly into my oh, yeah i know i know that's it's, really practical for it <laughs> i mean look I, ideally you may want to bring your amp but i think if i were in the, in mallorca on vacation and i had to do a mix i'm pretty confident i can get it to 95%, you know, yeah, that's cool. and the 5% is all about confidence in your studio that I've been in for 20 plus years. So, right. um, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I don't, listen, a laptop and headphones. I mean, I, that's, that's crazy for someone like me. Cause I'm still on a console, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, I, you know, I'm, I was doing the research on it. That's like the coolest thing is that like you were kind of bridge the gap or not even bridge the gap, but just, you were in that era where it was all console all, or correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and then as, as things evolved in some ways, devolved in other, you uh, were able to kind of ch change the time, but you still sort of have that innate knowledge from back then that helps you with like the EQing and, and, and everything you have to do now. I personally, you know, a lot of, you know, peers that we came from that era of, knowing how to align a machine and uh, hitting tape a certain way and biasing the tape machine and transients and console analog transistors, resistors and all that. Yeah. was different mentality uh, on, Hey, it's just, it's music, you know, uh, how does it feel type of thing. And then going from that to, to a, the digital era, um, uh, I mean, there, there were there are a lot of casualties. A lot, a lot of guys that didn't make that. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, you're, you know, you just got to be open minded to technology, to any new, you know, anything. And the moment you you're close minded, that's when you stop learning, and that's when you become a dinosaur. I feel. So having, uh, you know, now being in the digital age, 
uh, it would be really simple for me to kind of go in the box. But, you know, I have this amazing studio that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, uh, right. and for me, a mix is, I almost treat it as like a performance, you know, like I'm performing a mix mm-hmm. and a lot of ideas come out of that, you know, and, and the way I hit my stereo bus and the way I punch it and the way I EQ on the desk, it's very different. Now I'm not saying it's better or worse. Yeah. Um, I, I just know that I can EQ in, 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 in two seconds, I can EQ five things at the same time, to, not mm-hmm. at the same time, within five seconds, wow. where it would take me maybe a minute to do five things in the box because I can only do one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I can multitask, I can do this, that, boom, boom, boom. Like, you know, I can do all some karate chops, right? <laughs> without even thinking, just kind of. <laughs> without even thinking and yeah. without opening and closing anything. It's so, so to me, it's a game of inches. And I feel like that inch, I'm really used to it. And I can perform quicker ideas, uh, you know, ideas quicker than, than for me to go and open a plugin, close this one, open another one, close it, open. And then all of a sudden that's a a process that I could have done in seconds, you know? Yeah. So when you're doing that, are you, you're in your room, are you alone or is it like the mm-hmm. other team or, okay. No, I do it alone. You know, I got a great team, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, set up my mix. Um, it's the art of, uh, assisting nowadays, man, like setting up sessions and stuff. That's a lost art form. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, get, we get, the way we get files are just, Oh my gosh. It takes some, <laughs> sometimes it takes a day for my guys to decipher files. Um, so I'm blessed enough to have my team that will decide for everything for me. They'll have a dozen questions and they'll deal with it on their own. I don't even have to think about it, which oh, is, wow. um, yeah, it's such a blessing. You know, yeah. the multi-track, you yeah. have the kick, snare, all the multi, the multi-track that, you know, all the vocals, anything that's separated. Um, you know, there's sometimes it goes through a lot of different hands. And, and by the time the files get to me, one of those might have missed something, so we got to catch that. You know, yeah. uh, maybe a plugin didn't get printed. Maybe they had a different operating software uh, system. Maybe there's maybe the guy didn't have the plugins and made decisions based on not hearing the plugins. So, man, it's deciphering that is. I mean, man, people go to school four year school just to learn <laughs> just to learn deciphering. <laughs> <laughs> so the beauty about that is I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's done for me, which is such an, a huge, huge blessing for me not to think about anything technical like that. Once it's on the desk, you know, I have sort of the same layout on the desk every time I have my kicks here, my vocals, my synths, my effects. Then I start mixing. So all I do is I show up and start pushing faders, you know. Yeah. My, um, and then when I'm done, when I think I'm done with the mix, then my guys will print stems immediately uh and 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 that's another hour and a half to two hours that i don't have to be there either so i'm able to get the best out of my time um and be more productive creatively as well so so i do have a great team but when i'm mixing i'm doing it on my own like there's so many people that like man i would love to i would pay you just to to watch you work And, and i always say look it sounds so amazing to, oh, I want to watch Manny work, but 
you you won't learn anything because I move so fast. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like I'm doing. It does not sound like I'm doing anything. And by the time we're done, three, four, eight, ten hours later, and I go, okay, it's done. You're gonna be like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds exactly the same as eight hours ago. It's like watching paint dry. You know? Yeah, like, not not fun. Are you? Uh, yeah. so do you like? Um, again, another dumb question, but I just. I don't know. No do you, such thing. <laughs> are you? Do you get it and then just like listen to the song one time through, or listen to a certain thing one time through, or um... you know, we we li- we're in the we live in an era of uh, roughs, right? Okay. Some some of them are really bad, and mm-hmm. some of them are not as bad. Actually, some of them are pretty good. Uh, I think that's the art form and like deciphering what is a good rough and what is a bad rough and why is a good yeah. rough and why is not a good rough. So I listen to the rough. I listen to where they're trying to go. I, I want to see what planet they're on. You know, I want to see, <laughs> you know it's, uh, and from that, I kind of start deciphering it one time through. I'm like, Oh, this, the emotion, Sonic's less than emotion. Like, Oh, hooks jump. Uh, oh, it's very moody. It's uh, dark. It's bright. It's, I mean, it's, uh, so many words come to mind, right? And I, I used to, I used to write them down, and then repetition, and I, I just kind of store them in my head. And then I just start pushing faders, and I really start to do everything super fast, so I can get a mix going in like twenty minutes. That kind of re- not resembles the rough, but it's I'm in that world. Yeah. Now my switch happens where now you can you're in that world. Now you can start like. Now I have the ingredients. Now I got to put the chicken soup, the chicken noodle soup together, you know, yeah. <laughs> Pick well, you know, and then I start marinating, I start cooking. And, and at that point, you know, you kind of takes you on a journey and, and then you, then my style is I step, I step away from it. You know, I go make a call, go, go to the restaurant, come back, yeah. <laughs> uh, ear break, you know, and then I come back fresh and I listen. I like, Oh, okay. It's got my, it's got this, this and that. And that just continue. And, and the way I do it, and uh, I'm sure a lot of guys can, you know, I mean, they got their own way of doing it. But for me, when the mix is done is the first pass, imagine like a thousand little white flags, like are popping up. Right. Mm-hmm. As you think. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my goal is to get rid of flags, you know, okay. The base, I did this, boom, the, that flag is gone. And so gone, gone, gone. And then all of a sudden there's like maybe three, four flags and then yeah. one or two flags. And then, and then when I don't see the flags and I don't feel the flags and whether it's five in the morning or 10 in the morning, whenever that is, I'm like, Oh, okay. It feels great. No flags. It's done. Uh, and again, one that, flag ever, you knock one flag down and another one pops up. Like, a yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all the time. You like, it's almost like that game where you push it and something else yeah. pops up. <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind of how I treat every mix when I just, man, it just feels and I get lost in the song. That's mm-hmm. when I'm, like, I'm in the right, you know, and hopefully, you know, hopefully clients like it. And, you know, and, and, and then at that point, then now, we, now the interaction begins with the client, whether it's a producer, songwriter, manager, artist. We thought maybe there'd be people in the audience that might want to know what is it that Manny's actually doing? And so mixing is what happens pretty much right after your band is done recording everything. 
right? So when, when I say recording everything, you lay down the drums and the bass and the guitar stuff first, right? And your drums, the, each drum has a mic or two mics and overhead mics. Your drum set might have 10 or 15 microphones. Each of those is a channel. Your bass guitar is a channel. Your lead guitar, your rhythm guitar, your keyboards. Then there's the vocals, right? And you might have multiple mics picking up your vocals, right? Every single microphone and instrument is a channel. And when Manny says he's going to go into the studio and he's moving faders, he's adjusting how much of each channel he wants in any given part of the song. So you might want the keyboards to come out and be louder during the bridge of the song, but then to go a little quieter during the chorus of the song. Just as an example, you might want the drums to be front and center and louder than everything else as the opening of the song, and then to kind of quiet down and fade into the background for the rest of the song, things like that. And so Manny's looking for literally every single second of the song, where is every single level for every single input? And there could be 20 to 30 inputs for any given song. Yeah, he mentions red flags, right? Like he'll go through and he'll flag something that is, you know, you know, maybe the drum came on too too heavy, as an example, right? Maybe yep. the drum outweighed the the vocalist or something like that. So he needs to go in and adjust that. So you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of guessing here, but no, that seems like yeah. you know what it is that he's doing. You're there. absolutely right. You don't yeah. want to take focus from away from what is the most important thing in the song at any given moment and make sure that is that, and then how is the level of everything else behind that. And again, it's for every single second of the song. It's not just one mix. Okay, here's where all the faders go for the whole song. It's not no, like that. Every second needs a... <laughs> every single second of the song, you might adjust those faders. And it can right. like just totally change the, the emotion of the song, the... Yeah. the yeah, and meaning and, almost. <laughs> and there are there's so much subtlety into some of his recording. When I was going through earlier, you know, not knowing what to expect and really having a huge playlist on shuffle and listening to multiple different artists that I was really drawn in to the subtlety. Um, and I have to, you know, I would have to attribute some of that to him across the board. There seems to be moments in the song where things get really soft and it pulls you in and then it makes, you know, an impactful part of the, of the, of the track even more impactful. Right. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get pulled in. It's like you're leaning forward and then all of a sudden he can hit you in the face if he wants to or he can just keep you nice and warm and close as well. So, um, you know, uh, dynamic range is something that we talk about a lot in audio. And that's the, you know, the measurement of the quietest part of a track uh, versus the loudest part of a track. And, you know, that we, we suffer with dynamic range when we start talking about compression and whatnot. So, you know, listening to his music in as high a resolution as possible, where you can get, preserve as much of that dynamic range, it really, it, it, it comes to life a lot more. And uh, it was a pleasure to listen to, the, to those songs. I'm gonna, after this podcast, I'm going to go back and listen to more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Semi-related, uh, one of his first jobs before, you know, getting into mixing, you know, one of his first studio jobs is that, Enterprise Studio, which was a big hairband <laughs> studio back in the late 80s. And um, he talks about miking the drum kits for the, like, he had to go in, move it a quarter of an inch, probably less, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just to hear how the different sounds and just, and then, and then, like, that just sort of in, became innate. Like, he knows how those adjustments, which he now probably does with the faders or on the computer. Mm -hmm. um, can manipulate the the, the sound, um, and he talks about how that 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 training kind of prepared him for for 
and he you know he swears that now it helps him with his EQing and all the other stuff that he does. Um, again, just always learning, but always going back to the basics as well. He sounds <laughs> like a full service engineer, and I would imagine he has determined his specialty is the mixing part of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but if he had to, he probably can go in the studio and place that kick drum mic right. exactly where it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's probably got people for that now, given where he's at in his in his life at this point, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, what I'm curious about is mixing and mastering are technically two different processes, mm -hmm. right? The mixing is getting all the levels of all the faders for all the tracks in each song, every second of each song just right. Mastering is, he, and he alluded to this, so I think he masters his stuff as well. That's what you do to the overall sound of the track to make it sound good on certain systems, right? And you master for differently uh, for vinyl than you do for MP3s, than you do for high res, than you do for Sonos, right? I mean, you master for where's it going to be played. And so if you're if that album is going to be cut onto vinyl, you've got a master for that. If it's going to be uh, available digitally over the Internet, you master for, differently for that so that actually it sounds the same in the end. Right. That's what you're going for. But if you just take the master for vinyl and throw it on the digital version, it's going to sound wonky. Uh, so you have to factor all of that into it. And I think he does. I think he's doing the mixing and the mastering. Uh, it's off. It's sometimes it's done. Both of those things are done by one person. Sometimes you have two separate specialists that take care of each of those processes, yeah. the mixing and the mastering. Yeah, either way, he seems to be mindful of it. For, <laughs> when he's doing for sure. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that they in the uh, marketing materials, they said that you mixed at least some of the Kendrick Lamar album on the Odyssey headphones. I know that uh, that it's kind of like a mood, um, as you mentioned, and, and, and just sonically, uh, you know, there's just so much going on. And I wondered um, how much of that comes to you. You have all these different producers and sounds and 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 sense of depth when you're like listening, especially like in Atmos. And stuff. <laughs> um, how do you? How much of that is you getting in there, or how much of that is like the producer? Um, you know, I always think of it as a, it's a basketball game, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody plays their roles. If everybody plays their roles to perfection, we win games and hopefully win championships, right? So our, our captain is Kendrick, uh, and he was very involved. And I'm playing a role. I'm just trying to make it sound, make it feel. I, I'm trying to give it a certain emotion. And uh, and I think, uh, you know, we had uh, an executive producer. His name is Soundwave that was there all the time as well. Mm -hmm. Man, this is the album where they kind of let me do whatever, <laughs> whatever I wanted. And it was very, uh, man, it was very uh, liberating, yeah. I guess. Uh, I didn't have any constraints of like, hey, stick to the rough or or do this or that. It was, man, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had with any album, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I got to say, Kendrick, I it was my first time working with him. I can see why he is Kendrick Lamar and I can see why he is one of the best to do it and why he's one of the greatest artists of our generation. I mean, the way he thinks, the way he, you know, he's very intuitive. He knows more about you than you think. He's a people person. He'll ask you more questions than anybody else. He wants to know your process. He wants to know your thinking, your state of mind. 
And all of that, it's almost like he's a master manipulator, but without <laughs> manipulating. Without you know? the, uh, the sort of negative. <laughs> negative yeah, exactly. Exactly. Without, uh, but he, uh, I gotta say, um, you know, when we first met, he asked me, uh, he's like, he's like, man, you know, you work on so many great albums. Uh, I got a question for you. Uh, name your f- favorite album you've ever worked on. And I'm like, oh, that's like, one of, the, one of the questions, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, man, and I thought about it because I wanted to be honest with him. I'm like, let me think because there's been so many. I'm like, what comes to mind? I couldn't think of any, to be honest with you, because there's been so many. There's too many albums yeah. you know, that I've worked on that I'm very proud of to be involved with. And I told him, I said, look, man, honestly, I just don't, you know, it's like having five kids and asking them who, who's your favorite kid? And I can say, well, on a Sunday, this one, when I need help with that, that one, when I do this and I need a hug, is that one. Right. It, it, they serve different purposes. So I didn't really have an answer. And I, and I remember when the album finally came out and, you know, when you're in it, because I ended up mixing, I think, 17 of 18 songs. Uh, when I when I'm in it, you're in this bubble, you, you almost lose perspective of, you know, what it is. And then and then finally it comes out and you listen to it with a different set of ears and a different perspective. And I remember when I first heard it, when it came out, I thought, oh man, I, it, it, like you, I haven't been able to stop listening yeah. to it. And I worked on it, which is crazy. <laughs> so uh, so I, re- I, I hit him up. I'm like, hey man, remember when you asked me? It's like, yep. I go, now I, now I got something to say. You know, oh, wow. now I got my, <laughs> now I got my favorite album I worked on. So it wow, is. That's saying a lot. Know, yeah, man. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it's that special. I mean, it is yeah. that. It's that good. Because I feel like it's sort of that lost art of the album where you have to like, like every time I hit it, I can't like, oh, I'm gonna pick one track like I do with you know most uh, music, even good albums. Just sometimes I always gotta like kind of start from the from the beginning almost um mm-hmm. when you were getting it i imagine was it were you getting them in order or were you getting them one by one or no. You, okay no not at all i i the first song i mixed was the last song on the album oh, wow <laughs> yeah and i and i thought oh this is a new sound for him this is like a different sound you know different like he's actually singing a lot and like so that was like my and and the other thing that he did which is genius is uh the titles were completely different from what I got. And I have a feeling oh. that he does that for leaks. So, yeah. so he knows where it leaked from, you know, but uh, that was genius. So when it came out, I'm like, I didn't recognize any of the song titles because I was working with a completely set different set of titles. Wow. That's crazy. So that was pretty, pretty clever. Right? Yeah. So, so are you going to do more in the, in the line? Other than, I'm, I'm not trying to jump over the MM 500s. I, I wanted to talk a little bit more, okay. but, but uh, are you going to yeah. do more in the, and cause I noticed that there was the, the whole MM line for the, um, for, for Odyssey. Did you have something yeah. outside of headphones plan or just diff, or different headphones or. You know, I think um, <clears throat> with Shankar, he's such a great supporter I think as they come as ideas come up, as I find maybe gaps in the uh, how we can help uh, in the industry, we may do a thing or two. But I think that this headphone is an, an effective tool and it's a must tool for creators. Um, so who knows? The sky's the limit. You know, yeah. it's not I'm not doing this because 
I I'm bored and I have all the time in the world to do yeah. it. So uh, I'm doing I'm doing this to hopefully help other creators, you know, yeah. become more efficient because uh, that's what I tr- that's what I try to do every day. I try to how can I be the most efficient, but without losing any quality, you know. Um, and that's my goal. That's that is my goal to uh, continue to do that. So we'll see we'll see what happens. You know, what, what I guess what is it specifically about these headphones that uh, that you know, finally kind of gets you, gets you over the hump for, with when you're doing those mix kind of mixes and you can listen to those type to those things. Yeah. You know, I feel like the hardest thing that in any mix, I, I feel like there's a few, but the main things, man, that hate away the kick and the bass, there's a lot of information down there and also the vocals. So, yeah. so, uh, if you can find any speaker, any headphone that you can actually shape, um, because most headphones will not give you that. And if they, if you can do that, then it doesn't translate that well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you can mix on any headphones, but again, it doesn't translate to, to the way you would want it to translate. So it's very important to whenever you do experiment with mixing on headphones that it translates to, the rest of the world you know yeah and uh and you need to know you, you need somewhere where whether it could be your car could be your monitors could be your sono system at home whatever it is yeah uh you need to, you need to have a, a reference point where you can listen to it and know that and be like oh okay that's right or that's not right i let me try to redo this let me try to do that and blah 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 so i think um having having a a tool that is that that you can be creative with and trust it. I think that's that was always the goal with this, you know. Yeah. Do you guys know what an eight oh eight is? The eight oh eight? Yeah. It's like an area code, right? <laughs> it's always is I think it's Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> is it? I'm sure I'm uh, not sure that's now, what I have to look it up now to find out what <laughs> it's three digits. I mean there's at least a chance that I got that right. I, what is the chances that I guessed it's Hawaii, right? Uh, Unfortunately, I, I doubt you would have volunteered that unless you had some reason to be certain about it. Yes, Honolulu, <laughs> Hawaii, area code 808. Nice. It has nothing to do with nice. the 808 that Manny is talking about nice. in this interview. I don't know what you're trying to set up there, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. Continue. I, no, I love this. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, I have a feeling you know what an 808 is. Well, I think I do. It, it's Is it like a... a uh, and you can correct me, like a drum machine type of thing, like a um, a like a, a synthesizer drum yeah. machine. Yes, for an an electronic music creating machine that I don't think they make it anymore, right? But now you can do all of the eight hundred eight stuff digitally. Yeah, uh, as opposed to using a separate box uh, that you used to have to use. You can get like a plug in for it now. Yeah. Uh, but the eight hundred eight was known for some, uh, you know, heavy bass in in beats. Mm-hmm. That's how you created ba- beats with lots and lots of bass. Yeah, it gets a shout out in a lot of hip hop songs. Big time. Yeah. So, uh, like the way you move, Outkast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought. I that know that. y'all wanted <laughs> that eight hundred eight. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I figured that was an area code. Can you feel that B A S S bass? <laughs> Right? That's an 808. That's what they're talking about. And Manny specifically called out these headphones uh, as giving him the ability to mix an 808, which will give you very specific 808-sounding 
bass, uh, as well as kicks and actual bass guitars, right? Some That's hard for headphones to give you that full-bodied bass, and he's able to do that with these. I think that's remarkable that there's headphones that can do it. Um, but yeah, that's what an 808 is. If you want to know more about the 808, there is a podcast I recommend you listen to. It's called 20,000 Hertz. They did an, an entire episode all about the 808. So if you want to know more about songs that it was used uh, to create, uh, that it's a part of, and its history and all of that, why it's so legendary, uh, that entire episode is fantastic. I've recommended 20,000 Hertz before on this show, and this specific episode will bring you up to speed on the 808 if you need it, uh, Eric. Mm, thanks. I appreciate that. So, not the area code. Not Hon- <laughs> it, it does not come from Honolulu, okay. Hawaii, I don't think. Okay. That'd be really awesome. That'd be hey, cool if, if it did. Feel free if, you, uh, if you're if you a listener and you want to fact check them and somehow make me write in this, I'd really appreciate it. Go yes. ahead. Manny's Room Studio 2 in Larrabee has a lot of that old classic digital uh, digital and analog gear. Um, he has And he has like the classic mixing co- consoles, um, stuff... T- that I that our our pro audio guys you know C- Corey knows right off the bat I um, I was li- listening to him and he's like oh yeah that's the uh, da 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 and I'm like oh yeah of course <laughs> and he's just like um, hyper calibrated professional monitor speakers he has Dolby come in and make sure everything sounds correct um, but uh, and forgive me if I'm stepping on the interview but he the fact that he can mix in the box you know on a laptop with um, like Pro Tools or one of those, uh, is it DAW doll? What's the best? A doll, a digital, <laughs> digital <Yeah>. audio workstation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got one going right, right here, right now. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he can do, that he can get to, you know, to having all this like incredible, all the best gear that's, all the best current gear, all the best classic gear, working together in this studio, and he can get ninety whatever percent of the way there, on his laptop and a pair of these headphones is, uh, you know, speak, yeah. speaks and, volumes. And if you go to mannyamerican.com, you're going to see pictures of lots of the gear oh, yeah. in his studio. And, yeah, it'll make any kind of sort of studio mixing sound engineering nerds uh, totally geek out because uh, yeah. there's so many knobs and faders and speakers, and it is a, it's got to be a great-sounding room. Uh, yeah, I want I, I to spend time there. His, uh, you know, he has the, the studio, Larrabee Studio, has a photographer, and they um, – I asked for they, – they just treated one of their studios as a Dolby Atmos room. This is a tangent, but – That's they, all right. We they, were going to talk <laughs> about yeah, this. Yeah, Absolutely. so they, they sent me um, a – they sent me pictures that maybe I can give to Lex and see if, he, if, if it's something he can do with them of the new Atmos room. And it has like the big giant mouse ball where you can like, you know, point to the object based. Yeah. Uh, so so you're, like it's showing, you know, the thing about Atmos is it's not like you're not pointing to one speaker or another around you. It's like. Where the do you want the sound in. to be? Exactly. Right. It's very I got, located. I got to experience this firsthand, not with Manny, not mm. at that studio, but when I was in L.A., I stayed at an Airbnb uh, where the owner stays there. He doesn't just leave the house while you stay there because he has a studio, and he basically lives in his studio. Oh, wow. He brought us in and said, hey, 
here's some music we're working on. Uh, and he brought up on his big projector screen the Atmos renderer. Yeah, that's And it. <laughs> you could just watch him move with his mouse the sound, and you could just hear it placed wherever he wanted the sound of any one instrument in the mix. He had 24 channels that he was working with and could put any microphone, any instrument, wherever he wanted. Yeah. It was just kind it was almost disorienting being able <laughs> to see it move around because you have the visual to go with it, right? Uh, and so Dolby Atmos is, uh, it's not just, you know, two speakers facing you. There's more than that. You got your center channel, your sides, your surrounds, uh, and then you've got speakers above you plus your subwoofers. Right. So really, with that many speakers in a system, they can place any sound anywhere in your room. Yeah. And now you can get, like, Dolby Atmos mixed tracks for just music. It doesn't have to be a surround sound movie. Yeah. The, I mean, and, and Apple Music, the spatial audio that you might have seen the you may have seen the commercial for Harry Styles dancing around. Yeah, that's um, most of those tracks are mixed in Dolby Atmos. So, the, I sort of the um, beauty, I guess, <laughs> of Dolby Atmos. I mean, it's also, I mean, the more speakers you have, the better experience you're going to get. That's just well, certainly we've always said. Hit Crutchfield M- more, 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 no. more, <laughs> more. What is it, Eric? Um, more speakers, more better. More, yeah, more yeah. speakers, more be- right. big, bigger speakers, more better too. More speakers, bigger speakers, <laughs> more bigger, better. more bigger. And then more when you better. got more speakers, you need more power. More, more power, big. more better. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's that simple. Yeah. But what's cool about Dolby Atmos is that um, it can tell what, what, how many speakers or how many drivers you're using, and and sort of adjust the sound accordingly. And use and in headphones especially use sort of these, um, you know, location based. Uh, sort of technologies and things to, to make to, to mimic some of those some, yeah some of those so like a, a full Dolby Atmos mix would have seven surround speakers four ceiling yeah. speakers and two subwoofers right uh, but you don't have to have that many speakers if you had five surround speakers one sub and two ceiling speakers yeah. you could still get the effect yeah and I think in those setups the idea isn't to hear the sound coming from the speakers is to close your eyes and feel right. like you're feel in the like space it. in which it was recorded, right? Yeah. So you're not hearing the speakers, you're hearing the sound move and be where it needs to be uh, for that particular track. Not just from the speaker locations, but three-dimensionally through the space yeah. as well. And uh, spatial reasoning, spatial, I don't know. Yeah, That's we can do a whole podcast yeah, on that. Yeah, no, Atmos sound is bars super, super that we cool. Have but <laughs> the thing that I think a lot of tracks and like the early demos that we heard and, and uh, in some cases, you know, uh, you know, were movie-related and whatnot, they were kind of gimmicky where, yeah. you know, you really wanted to uh, focus on that effect. But when done well kind of forget that you're sitting in a room with a bunch of speakers and you just feel like you're in that spot and you know that's what he's doing there so it's not trying to be gimmicky he's just trying to add more space to it yeah yeah and i love that atmos is really uh you know taking on uh, a bigger role for music uh not just for movies and i have always noticed that odyssey just kind of in general um you know there's a lot of detail in that sub bass and all that and, and all that region where it's like um you just don't get from other other headphones um the vocals too which i think you're pretty well known for is 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 your mixing of vocals you know vocals are hard because again you you get a i try to um eq around the focal point and if it's a vocal then i try to shape things around that 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 sort of spectrum you mm-hmm. know uh and that's how you find room for stuff you know like 
the art of EQing, you know, it's just, man, it's, it's such a powerful tool in our studio, in the studio. So once you hopefully master that, uh, man, the red seeds are just part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, do, do you, um, do you do the Atmos mixes on like, like the yeah. Lamar album and all this? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was curious about your approach to the Atmos mix. Yeah. You know, my approach is I, I, I only try to mix or I only mix things that I mix the stereo version for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't take on, oh, man, just mix the Atmos and not the stereo. I don't do that. I did it once and it was just too, I don't know, just not my thing. Yeah. So uh, I do it, the the stereo, I know it very well. I know the artist, producer, whoever the, uh, you know, whoever has the final okay or, the you know, uh, I've I, I either talked to them so much, I under, I understand where they're trying to go with the stereo track. So now for me, Atmos uh, is just an extension of the stereo mix. So I like, if I go like this, if I stretch it this way and I stretch it that way, that's all I want to do. I don't want to have things behind me. I don't want things to be distracting. Um, So it's a very simple approach on how do I keep the stereo mix glue and vibe intact and just give it a, just a, maybe a little bit more dimension and width and height. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, so it's very, uh, I don't want to say simple, but very, very precise. I think what uh, what gets lost in a lot of people is just how the, the subtlety of it all is like, it's not necessarily that you're going to hear. And part of that's because they market it as it's going to go over your head and above your, you know, right. <laughs> and that works with movies, obviously. But You're right. You're right. The marketing has been about listen to music, you know, in a different way. And listen, it is a different way. And it's yeah. really exciting. It's, I think it's the most exciting thing that, you know, we've had in our, our generation. Yeah. So uh, I think um, it, with any new technology, you can also abuse it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to go through a few years of learning curve and getting it right. I think it's going to take some time. Um, but I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. You know, I don't no. think it's going away. You know, I hope it doesn't go away. Yeah. I think it's powerful. I've, I listen to things that I mix the stereo and I listen to them in Atmos. And I'm like, some, things, some songs sound a million times better. Like, this is the, the intention. Yeah. You know, and then other stones sound as good, you know. So yeah. Maybe because of the glue. And it's, you know, we've been making records for 90 years in stereo. So, mm-hmm. An evolution of 90 years on how to glue things, you know, and create right. emotion glue. Now we're trying to create motion with space. So if you think about it, that's a whole different way of thinking creatively. Yeah. So, um, so there's going to be a lot of room for error, a lot of growing pains, a lot of pissed off engineers <laughs> and artists and labels and everyone because they're afraid of change, you know, but. I think earlier in the conversation, I said, you know, you adapt or you die type, you know, yeah. simple. That. So I think we're all kind of adapting in a good way. I think with Atmo- with with Apple Music getting so on board with it and, mm-hmm. and pushing it so much, it's like, like, you know, I'm sure you were, you may have even done some 5.1 uh, mixes back in the day. Like, Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> were they, um, but, you know, there's always a barrier there of like, do you need to, uh, uh, you have to buy the DVD or the SACD. Like these are crazy mm-hmm. terms that most people don't even know. Everybody yeah. can get their iPhone and sees Apple music, even if they don't 
subscribe. So I'm just uh, honored and, and appreciate your time so much. So thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate your time too. And have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye. Right, bye. Hey, did you guys catch that? Manny sometimes mixes these songs for Sonos. Did you hear him say that, Eric? You're a big Sonos fan. Did I miss that part? Was I looking at his menu during that you, part? Of the you might have been. You might have been salivating over the, uh, the 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 food at Versa. Yeah, absolutely. At Verse. Verse. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, one of the reasons he has all of those different pairs of speakers in his mixing room and the headphones is to be able to mix for different environments. And he specifically called out. People listen to music at home on speakers like yes. Sonos speakers. Right. He wants that stuff to sound good on those speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, more people are listening to music on headphones than ever before, so it makes sense to mix on headphones. But I love the fact that he called out specifically Sonos, uh, which is why so many songs sound so good on Sonos. Like engineers and mixers like this are actually thinking of you. Yeah, they're thinking yeah. about what, you know, the bulk of people are listening to. Not ju- not everybody has a studio. Not everybody has, you know, premium speakers or or uh, you know, $1800 headphones for that matter. Doesn't mean they don't help in the production. Um, but he wants the end users, the people that are listening to this music, however they're listening to it to get the best possible results. And yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Shout out Sonos. They need more love. <laughs> could you imagine you know you write a i mean you i mean what would be the equivalent of that like you paint a picture and you don't even know how they're going to hang it in the or you don't even know right. if <laughs> yeah. yeah what what kind of light you're going to have right. in your room is it going to be natural light coming in the windows is yeah. it going to be incandescent bulbs or have all your bulbs been replaced by lcd bulbs now right, <laughs> right? so uh lcd led led bulbs yeah, not go. lcd yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah i mean lighting looks different in every room so does the uh, does the painter take that into account with the different colors mixes that he uses i'm guessing not no. i don't think so i'm guessing that's that's not a medium where you can do that whereas right. music it absolutely can be done that way yeah you have to think about it you can, yep. you're forced to think about it absolutely Man, Jeff, I am so jealous you got to talk to Manny for an hour. It sounds like you could have talked to him for two or three or four hours yeah. if he had the time to do that. He's got songs to mix, though. Oh, of course. Yeah, and, and uh, just to be to, to be clear, he was he, he even said, do you want to get into anything more? And I was like, oh, you have no idea. I <laughs> could sit here and talk about the Common B album for two and a half hours, um, but... I knew I wanted to be I wanted to be respectful of his time. I knew he has a lot going on. He has um, the restaurant. He was heading to the studio to to mix some songs. He's got albums from the nineteen seventy five Paramore. He's mixing on now that are coming out soon. Uh, may be out by the time this podcast comes out. But um, anyways, it's kind of interesting. Being, it, it sounds like he's always working. He's always working. Um, and he kind of alluded to that, right? Yeah. Mi- mixing songs on his laptop with the MM five hundreds. While he's at a wedding, while he's at a wedding <laughs> in the Bahamas, like yeah. in a hotel room, the, he has this mantra that he's always on vacation. It's sort of an ode to uh, his mother, really, because when he lived in Guatemala until he was nine years old, and they were in the midst of this civil war. It was kind of a proxy war of the Cold War. Russia had backed one side, U.S. backed the other. Um, but it was the government versus these guerrillas, uh, and his uh, mom had always said, "You know, we won't leave." Uh, Guatemala, love Guatemala, but at some point it just got too dangerous, and to protect her children, she had to pack them up and had some connections where she could fly them to Los Angeles. Um, She told them so that they didn't get scared. She told Manny at nine years old, hey, we're going to 
uh, packed for a va- we're going on vacation. We're going to Disneyland. Um, and so he landed. He said it was a Thursday. By Monday, he was enrolled in school. He never saw Mickey Mouse, but he, um, you know, he, he, he jokes that he's been on vacation ever since. Um, but That's and- a much healthier way of looking at yeah. his at your life it's rather than thinking about i'm working all the time right i'm working as i'm also on the, at this <laughs> wedding in a hotel room yeah no that's just where he's vacationing now and he's doing the stuff he loves to do yeah i love this uh i love that uh part of his story also was that he was a drummer mm-hmm. so uh that speaks to you know my passion just a little bit uh so you as, know i mean we we probably can't praise his mom enough right but you know as a drummer that uh, you're, you need um, patient parents to, or, or, or you need anybody that lives in the house with you needs to understand right. what they're getting into yeah. <laughs> and if you get to be a drummer as a kid your parents didn't sign up for that no right and he uh, said his it was him and his him his mom and his sister in a one bedroom apartment and they not only put up with it they encouraged him to keep drumming so you can only imagine. <laughs> I, I saw a meme on uh, a Facebook uh, cover band central Facebook group where the uh, there was a guy offering drumming lessons for kids. It was twenty five dollars an hour to teach your child the rudiments and rhythms and you know all of that stuff, uh, or five hundred dollars for one hour where I will belittle him and berate him until he is demoralized <laughs> and refuses to ever play the drums again. Five hundred dollars done, uh, and yeah. So, um, but yeah, so he's a drummer. Uh, he gets uh, gets to L.A., goes to uh, Alexander Hamilton High School. Uh, so he's speaking to me once again uh, through uh, Hamilton because I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Eric's a huge fan. We've Absolutely. seen we've seen Hamilton recently. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, so so um, so he sees Abe Laboriel. Yeah. Right. Which is the Abe. The, the Abe Laboriel. <laughs> Junior, not the not the dad. Junior. <laughs> he should be Sir Abe Laboriel because um, he plays drums for Sir, Part- Sir Paul McCartney. Right. Uh, and many others. Uh, and uh, he had the same thought when he sees Abe Laboriel Jr. playing drums as I do. I'll never be as good as that guy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love his drumming style, though. He's big. He's powerful. And he's impressive. And when he when when he saw that. He decided to go a whole different route, yeah. Uh, which was the mixing and the EQing and how to make a song that's great sound even better. Yeah, he's. A, I mean, he said he saw his um, one of his. He said immediately, "I'm going into production." I think it worked out well for everybody that <laughs> for, in the in the and his uh, our um, teacher there was was messing around with something and and showed him how you can like, you know, just vastly manipulate not only like the frequencies but the emotion of a song just by messing around with some knobs and he was like i'm all in and from there you know um a lot of hard work but <laughs> it's kind of where to, to where we are now yeah you know the crutchfield the podcast is not designed to be a commercial for a particular product that we sell right like that's not what we're trying to accomplish with this show um however it's kind of hard to separate this experience of Manny uh, American and what he does with these headphones, uh, the MM500. So, I mean, if it sounds like a commercial right now, it's because it kind of is, really. Uh, and it's as well as it should be, but it's a pretty special product. Hey, uh, hey we've, long, we've long said that there are no perfect headphones. There's not one set of headphones that we sell that are right for every occasion. These are not ones that I'd want on an airplane. They are not ones that I'd want working out. Not that I work out, but I'm just saying, if I did, these are not for that. So, yeah, we can talk about 
that they are really good at what they do and what that case is, but they might not be for everyone. That's and you, okay. And, you know, if if I tried to wear them right now, it's probably not good for a live recording situation because of their open back sound. It could cause feedback into the mics and such. Um, that being said, I wouldn't mind seeing these, feeling these, touching these, hearing these. Uh, if only we had a pair in the room. Well, I got this giant case here that... Oh boy, it comes in a giant case. It comes in. Oh, that they wow. handcuffed to me. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, there's gonna be some banging here for a moment. Yeah. That I'm looks like a bomb-proof case. Yeah, this is. Oh. I mean, Try not to dirty. bump that table too much, guys. Pres- presentation this, is, uh, uh, is is part of that at this level, certainly. Ooh. I don't know if you heard that, but I think angels flew out of it when the case opened. Did you hear that? <laughs> I don't know. Did, did you hear the harp and, and whatnot? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead. This is the first time I've actually put my hands on these. Okay, first off, is there a technical name for this headband design? Um, I, I don't know that there is, but what I do know immediately looking at them is that across the top of my head, they would be very, very comfortable. Yeah, it's nice. not just a thick padded thing. Yeah. It's like it's got a frame, and then below the frame yeah. is like a, uh, like a sling almost, yeah, it's right? Just, it's the same thing I love about my Aeon my Aeon headphones yeah. that I have. That yeah, it's like a suspension system. It's got this this like large steel headband and then right. underneath is a, like a it's a leather headband that's It's like a hammock for your right. head. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so because they're so because even though these are lighter than most Odyssey headphones, as you can say, yeah. they're still yeah, they're a heavy duty set of a, a headphones. So you need the weight to be distributed po- properly. We learn in our comfort test it's not so much about how heavy they are, mm-hmm. it's really just how secure they fit and right. how well the weight is distributed so that you're not feeling like your like your head's gonna fall over as right. you listen to them. A yeah. very padded ear cup as well. I love that about them. Um, and not as heavy as other magnaplanar headphones that I've I've yeah. I've held. So um, just from a design standpoint, I, yeah, there's a lot here to like. Certainly. Well, right. you know, one reason why these why why Odyssey's gotten so good at light light headweight is not only the the frame materials, but the Ooh. magnets themselves that move that very tiny, very thin film. Well, actually, it's a large film, but it's very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, the magnets that they use, they, they they lay them out in a in a magnet array called a Fluxar magnet array. It's a patented thing that they came up with. So the Fluxar, okay. Yeah, they've they've hacked. They've um, <laughs> hacked magnetic flux so wait they, they work did we have to go back to the future to get this <laughs> technology? Right. The, right. the um the, the all right all right everybody eric has taken off his podcast recording headphones yeah and he's just now putting on the mm 500s yeah that click sound was me adjusting uh kind of the size there that's nice yeah I mean, do that, that is... right into the mic that was Ooh. a solid sound mm-hmm. Ooh. Right there. Oh yeah. That's 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 metal on metal staying in place. That's not gonna. That's, that's, that's not gonna wear out. That's that's got a really nice feel to it. All right. So. Oh yeah. So Eric does not have any audio plugged into these. He's just literally putting them on his head right. for to get an idea of how comfortable they are. I could wear these uh, a lot. Yeah. Technically speaking, a lot. That's that's the word I came up with. I just took a picture. There you go. That's the first. <laughs> we might time. throw that picture on the podcast page. Go. That's the first time I, I would have made a better face then. Oh, you want to um, there you go. Pretend like you. Oh, now there we go. His flash MM. or no flash? I, I have no idea. <laughs> All right, now it's just getting Blinded. awkward. Now I'm gonna start posing. Um, yeah, I I like these. 
I'll, I'll take them. So, and you've worn the LCD X's. These yes. are modeled somewhat after those, except yeah. lighter and stronger and better. Yeah, because they're lighter. Um, one of the things in our, our our tests that we've done, you know, sometimes the heavier headphones, the the you know, if you were moving around, they, they would feel like they would shift a little bit just because mm -hmm. of the overall weight of them. Yeah. And because these are just slightly lighter, I'm not getting that sensation as much where I don't feel like, you know, they don't feel like they would uh, slip off of where, no. you know, I ideally set them right. um, quite as easily. So, um, Which is important yeah. when listening to music, but you can imagine when you're working and you're moving faders and moving your head around yeah. and looking at this screen and looking at that screen, you really need them to stay in place. So. Yeah, that's quite nice. Uh, hey, can I try them? Uh, mm. Can you pass them yeah. this way? I don't. I don't know about that. Actually, I. I suppose you just throw them over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. All right, I'm fine. Here, here, here you go. Do you want the cord? Or, yes. Uh, do you I'm want the actually, whole I'm, experience? Should I'm I gonna, put it back in the box? I'm gonna hook them up and play some music. See okay. what happens. Yeah, throw me oh, that okay. fancy cord. Mm -hmm. Braided cable. Yeah. So oh that's wow. This this cord is legit. Mm -hmm. Like they're not messing around here. So, all right, I'm gonna plug this thing in. So when I put them on, I'm gonna actually okay. They they, it's not a no tang. It's not a no tangle cord. <laughs> Let me just say that. No, the tangles come for free. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now that braid design helps reduce uh, okay. electromagnetic yeah. uh, interference. If yep. I not mistaken that's what the, yeah that's what the, yeah and it, and it just feels and looks cool too yeah but yeah yeah no, most it, importantly <laughs> it does do, it does get the emi and uh, you know all that stuff yeah all right cord is plugged into headphones plug cord is plugged oh, into I, my yamaha stereo receiver i wonder what music he'll choose to play <laughs> <laughs> the, the other way you got them on backwards. You got the left on the Do right. I? Yeah, I promise. didn't look. Promise. <laughs> right, that's a pet peeve of mine with headphones. How easy is it to figure out the left from the right? It's just which way the cables are a, pointing. Well, there's a big L and there's a big R right <laughs> there. there. It wasn't hard to find. There you go. It's hard to find on some headphones. <laughs> it is, sometimes. That bothers me. <laughs> well, Not hard to find on these headphones. If I turn this volume up, do I hear? Oh, yeah. I can hear myself in these headphones. So. Yeah. And as I, a bald man, because you don't have hair, um, how... <laughs> What do you think? Bald head approved? Oh, I, so I have also worn the LCD X's. These are significantly more secure, right? Like as big as heavy as they are, and they're not lightweight. They're not insignificant on my head, but they they don't feel like they're going to fall off. I feel like I could listen to Metallica and bang my head accordingly, and these are staying put right well, now. Yeah, because I don't. That's fantastic. I don't feel like they're even heavy. I just feel like they're substantial. I don't know if that if that makes sense, but. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd get stronger neck muscles by wearing them. No. Put it that way. <laughs> we should uh, maybe sh should point out that Odyssey's also made um, they've made in ear headphones. Like they they have been able to shrink these plantar magnetic down to you know crazy size. Like who would think that you could have something that's supposed to plantar magnetic headphones are supposed to work where they're these super large drivers that move back and forth, and that's how they create sound. But they've shrunk because of the efficiency of those magnets. They've shrunk them down into a to earbud size, so it's right. it's insane. And then, um, you know, they have gaming headsets that are more traditional sized. Uh, they, they look more like a traditional size headphones, like like you like you would expect from from a gaming headset. And they've actually make some of the best sounding and most popular gaming headsets that we sell. So, um, Odyssey's really branching out. They, they say that. 
This is only the first in their uh, in in first product in their line of uh, professional gear. They haven't given tipped us off on what is going to be next, but you know if you're reading the tea leaves and see that <laughs> they're good at making things smaller, I you know who knows. All right, I'm going to listen to some music now and see what happens. For and by the way. I have them on now, so I'm listening to our whole podcast recording setup. So when you're talking in the room, I can. It's kind of seamless. Like I can't tell if I'm hearing you through the headphones or if I'm just <laughs> hearing you in the room. That's how. That's how transparent they are. Yeah. That's how well these things are. Uh, just making it feel, making it feel spacious as I'm listening. So all right, I'm gonna play a song by my band. We have the rights to play it. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it from the headphones going into my mic, but I just want to get a feel for how these sound here live on the podcast. Okay. Now, who mixed your uh, band? <laughs> so I know how my drums are supposed to sound, and this is, I mean, they're literally sounding better than they've sounded on any other system, wow. any other set of headphones I've heard them on. Uh, and that's, I've heard them on quite a few uh, headphones, but yeah, this is great. Can you guys hear what I'm listening to? Yep. Is it loud and clear to you? Not loud and clear, but we can hear it. We can hear it. Well, I have the headphones on that are also playing. The so you, so yeah. you're hearing the music through the headphones. <laughs> right. Hey, cool. Funny how that works. Technology. Uh, Jeff, you're not wearing any headphones but at I the moment, the, but you yeah. could hear it coming out of the sound uh, from these headphones. Yeah, so definitely, when, you know, unless you're me and you write about headphones, you probably wouldn't wear them in an in a office, but... Um, yeah, no, there's certain Kendrick Lamar songs that Manny actually alluded to in that interview <laughs> yeah. that you might not want to play loudly right. with these headphones only in a situation where you have, like, co-workers around who might be offended by some language. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's not for that. But if you're critically listening by yourself, play anything you want yeah. as loud as oh, you yeah. want. Oh, my God, this but is this is fantastic. You're letting into it, though. You're also playing it pretty loud. Oh, I'm, I, I would exclusively use open ear headphones for myself. It's one of the ways we kind of differ mm -hmm. as far as our personal preferences, but I'd listen to open ear uh, nine times out of 10 uh, in an office, in a home environment. Yeah, not when I'm mowing the lawn, obviously. Um, not if I'm, you know, uh, on an airplane, like I mentioned earlier, but, you know, in general, I find them less fatiguing from a, just an ear stress, just like pounding bass notes in a closed headphone. That wears on me for a for after a while it doesn't happen nearly yeah. as uh quickly wearing open back headphones so i'm a yeah i'm a big fan of this technology i'm a big fan of those headphones yeah as significant as they are on my head they're also just disappearing into the sound of the room right now mm -hmm. it's fantastic I, I love this yeah and I, I mean you mentioned the volume thing i don't think you need to play them at crazy volumes to appreciate the sound they're um it's really sophisticated, you know, kind of across the board, no matter what level mm -hmm. you're at. However, I can tell you, I'm cranking it over yeah. here, and <laughs> they are fun. keeping up just fine. <laughs> yeah. And for those listening at home here, if you want to know, my setup is a Focusrite Scarlett uh, 8i6 interface, uh, and I've got uh, the main output going to a Yamaha two-channel stereo receiver. That's where I'm plugging in these headphones. So uh, they're getting their power from the headphone output of a mediumly sort of set priced uh, Yamaha stereo receiver. Uh, and uh, I've got lots of volume knobs that I can choose, right? My computer volume, the volume on the Focusrite, the volume on the Yamaha. 
and uh, you know they they do need me to crank it. Like I, if I'm got these at medium volume, I'm probably not satisfied with mm-hmm. how loud they are. Uh, so I, that's okay. Just turn it up, uh, and that totally got me where I wanted to go. And uh, but they sounded great at low volumes. I just like it loud. So I'm going to keep these on for the rest of the episode. Uh, I think we're going to close this thing out now, Jeff. Uh, for one, thank you for uh, sharing this interview with us, uh, Eric. Thanks for being here uh, and uh, and trying on these headphones. I know headphones are a passion of yours. Absolutely. So. Uh, and uh, Jeff, thank you for the headphones because they're over here on my side of the desk plugged into my receiver, which means <laughs> that's where they're going to have to stay. Yeah, I've got the case, so they need to get returned. I don't need to the, the case. case. <laughs> um, the case is irrelevant to me yeah. now because they're staying right here. <laughs> uh, Hard to take off, I'll tell you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so thank you from uh, to Manny American for spending the time with Jeff and letting us uh, record all this and get this out there. It's been a lot of fun for us. Uh, if you want more information on this stuff, look at, for the uh, links to these articles and such and the headphones themselves right there in the podcast show notes. Uh, I hope our producer Lex is also putting a link to the appropriate 20,000 Hertz podcast episode, which explains the history of the 808 if you're interested. Um, and I'm, th- I'm thinking it might make sense to put links in there to mannyamerican.com and maybe his restaurant and stuff too. There's a bunch of fun stuff out there. Uh, you can dive into it. And of course, Spotify playlists uh, for Manny American mixed music. So uh, we want to make that easy to find. And hopefully you enjoy just hitting shuffle on that as much as we are enjoying that. Yeah, It's pretty easy to find. Any playlist on Spotify probably has something mixed by <laughs> Manny American. Yeah, but if you want to make sure of it, there is a playlist where every song yeah. was mixed by him. Uh, and it's pure joy. Uh, so I'm JR on behalf of Eric and Jeff and all of Crutchfield. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back with another episode in a few weeks. We'll see you then. See ya. See ya.